0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies.
1: Is artificial intelligence a topic that we should be focused on in the medical device industry? I think it's a really great question. And I would encourage you to listen to this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. I speak with Marla Phillips. Marla is the director of Xavier Health. And one of the programs that Xavier Health has coming here in a couple of weeks is the AI Summit. So I would encourage you to uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight, Guru John Spear. And today, I'm really excited because I have Marla Phillips. Marla is the Director of Xavier Health, and she and I are going to talk a little bit about AI explainability, what that means, and why it matters in healthcare. Marla, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hey, thank you, John. So, Marla, I got exposed to Xavier Health recently. I, I had a, an opportunity to participate or to attend the the MedCon 2018 conference, and I was just like blown away about how fantastic that, that event was. And, you know, I guess share a little bit before we dive into AI explainability, share a little bit about some of the things that you're doing at Xavier Health. Okay.
0: Well, thank you, first of all, for your very kind words. Um, We work to bring industry and FDA together. And when I say industry, I mean the pharmaceutical and medical device industries in a very collaborative setting. And so if you think of Xavier University, it is true neutral ground. And we're able to break down a lot of walls and barriers and and really reach a level of collaboration that people find just really amazing. So so they don't find it any other place. Um, FDA enjoys uh, interacting with the audience. We think of ideas together. We explore the what ifs. And it's um, just in in a, in a way that's very collaborative uh, with industry and FDA because our goal is um, inspiring collaboration, leading innovation, and making a difference. And even through just a conference setting, where it's a very purpose-driven um, event, every session has a purpose, every event has a meaning. And and so uh, when we when we bring these groups together, we're actually trying to advance the industries for the betterment of patient health. And um, so we have a pharmaceutical conference and a medical device conference each spring that's co-sponsored by the FDA. We have a, an artificial intelligence summit um, every August. And uh, and then we have a combination product summit every September. And so all, all of those uh, events have FDA and industry involved. And uh, w- through those, we look for initiatives to lead. And artificial intelligence is one of those examples that we're going to be talking about today.
1: Yeah. And folks, um, I can speak firsthand. It, it is the best conference I've ever been to where there is true collaboration and transparency between FDA and medical device companies. It, it is It was fantastic. So I, I encourage you to check out all of these programs that are uh, held by Xavier Health. Uh, really great opportunities to uh, engage and learn about not just, you know, regulation, the normal regulations, but some of the more progressive thought-provoking, you know, leading-edge type programs that are coming from the agency, it really is a great collaboration. So let's dive into this uh, AI explainability. So I, um, it's my understanding that you were recently on Capitol Hill to participate on the AI panel. Can you share the purpose of of what this panel session was all about and and what takeaways uh, did you have uh, relative to the platforms that were shared uh, by the congressman?
0: Okay, great. So um, IBM actually coordinated this panel because there's been a lot of uh, concern about artificial intelligence for the end user. And in this particular case, since this was geared towards healthcare, the end user was uh, the healthcare provider. And so a physician or a surgeon, for example. And so the panel had um, Bakul Patel from FDA, Michael Hodgkins from the American Medical Association, and Anil Jain from IBM, in addition to myself. And um, our goal was to address explainability um, and what is that and why would it matter to the end user? So, if you think of a healthcare provider and uh, especially with the use of artificial intelligence that already exists in um, diagnoses, um, how can they have confidence in what the artificial intelligence outcome is? And explainability um, also—it's uh, like a, a part of transparency. It's not—it's not, it's not uh, synonymous with it, but. Um, um, explainability actually links the credibility of the inputs to the outputs, so that if the end user can see that the inputs were credible, I'm not quite sure how the algorithm made all of its correlations, but I know what it was working from was credible. I have more confidence in the outcome. And so we address the importance of building explainability and uh, providing transparency so that that end user, when they're facing the patient, can feel confident in what he or she is saying and the diagnosis and the prognosis for for that patient's life. Um, we had uh, three congressmen join this, this. Uh, it was like a standing room only event um, in uh, on Capitol Hill. So we had Congressman Delaney, Matsui, and Bouchon. And all three of them, I would say, uh, recognized for sure the importance of the use of AI in healthcare as far as its ability to help advance beyond where we are today. Um, but also uh, recognizing the importance of transparency so that we have confidence in in the outcome. Uh, They all uh, recognize the importance also of collaboration and how we have to have government and industry and high-tech companies all coming together to identify ways to um, give these healthcare providers the tools that they need to help the patients that right now there's really not a good way to diagnose some of the conditions they have. And so it was just a, um, an extremely fantastic event in that um, uh, the collaboration that we embody at Xavier uh, really came, played through. And, and what's interesting is all of the panel members are actually on our core team for the AI work that we do. So we have FDA, we have IBM, and we have the American Medical Association all involved in our work. Um, so it really just plays through in how we are working together and how we all do recognize the importance of this.
1: Wow, that's that's um, that's impressive. I mean, because you know this topic of AI is um, well, it's popular these days. You know, and and I'm sure you know this. I mean, you have a, a summit on the topic, and and just to remind folks again, uh, you know, that summit is happening here in a couple of weeks. Correct?
0: Yeah. So August 23rd and 24th, we're hosting the Artificial Intelligence Summit, and so we will have, for example, the pool Patel. We will have. Um, IBM Watson Health, we will have American Medical Association. Uh, But what's really neat, in my opinion, because I come from the pharmaceutical industry, I used to be head of quality at Merck for their North Carolina facility, so I'm, I'm from industry, And uh, not all of us um, have the AI data science background. This is kind of a newer, well, I I guess (laughs) the use of it is newer. It's been around since the the, the 50s. But um, uh, understanding how AI works, we actually have a a live demo session where uh, participants are going to go from one one vendor to another to another in a facilitated way to see it in action. And they're going to show you this is how it works. And um, it's because that's so important for those of us who are trying to understand and grasp how this actually works. Um, uh, So, yeah, so we're bringing people together and trying to elevate all of our understanding on how AI works so that we can use it going forward to advance the pharmaceutical industry, the medical device industry and our ability to uh, to help patients.
1: Got you. All right. So, you know, uh why do you believe that industry and FDA are, are really starting to come together? I mean, I know you've touched on a lot about, about that, but why are they coming together to work on ad- advancing the use of artificial intelligence? I mean, uh, like I said, this is a topic that's, that's it's very much, uh, it seems like it's everywhere <laughs> we go these days. Artificial intelligence, you know, Facebook is doing it. You know, LinkedIn's doing it. All these different apps are doing it. But why does that apply to the medical device industry? Why does FDA care? You know, why does Xavier Health care about that?
0: So what's interesting um, is, is again, coming from the industry, I mean, I I know what we have in our hands as far as data. Um, I would say for the past 20, 30 years, we have really exploded the amount of data we've been collecting. I mean, we collect data on everything, but all of us will tell you that it sits on the shelf largely. Unless, for example, you have a failure, then you can use some of that data to try to investigate what could have happened. Uh, But for the most part, it goes uh, unused. And so we recognize that there's a tremendous amount of power in the data that's just sitting on our shelves. And when you can bring in artificial intelligence, then you can actually um, use the AI to identify correlations between the data that you didn't even realize existed. Um, And so this kind of gets a little bit into the working teams that we have uh, coming out of the summit um, that I I can share in, in just a few minutes. But... Um, i think we're we're coming together um, with a lot of passion because we all see the potential and I think we've all recognized for many years that there's so much that we 're not doing with this data yeah. um, that that would really help advance how we 're manufacturing our products and ensuring the quality of those products
1: right and it, it, but it goes really beyond just the manufacturing side of things i mean if um you know at least in my way of thinking about it if if I can leverage ai um, to, to my you know leverage that as a as an asset i can I can be more proactive about also the design of my products and also help me determine what other things I should be working on to help improve uh, quality of life for patients.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I would say in recent years, we've recognized that we need to go from being reactive to proactive. For that sure. like a big movement. But this using AI goes from being proactive to being predictive and then actually going from predictive to being prescriptive. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if I can predict that a failure would occur if certain conditions exist, then I can prescribe the specifications, I can prescribe the process controls, I can prescribe all the different variables that occur in the materials themselves and the the manufacturing conditions so that I avoid those failure conditions from even happening. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of power if we can uh, get the AI in action.
1: Wow. And, and I guess this kind of raises or or creates a couple of thoughts that I, that I have. I mean, I mean, are you thinking more that, that devices have some sort of embedded technology to, to uh, communicate, data and information back to medical device companies? Is this more about like the systems that companies put in place to help monitor that? I mean, or, or, or is it both?
0: Right. So great question. Um, so for medical devices, there are devices that already exist that have digital health components that are using artificial intelligence. Um, so that's, that's something that's already being used. <clears throat> There's also movements um, around real-world evidence and real-world data and the ability to get Uh, information back to the manufacturing company once the data is out in the market. So you have all this smart technology and we need to get that back to the manufacturing company so they can see how the product is actually performing. Um, Because even today when we have uh, complaints, it's it's just a matter of how many of us have issues with products that we actually pick up the phone and call and and complain about it versus throw it away or, okay, that didn't work and and you're just frustrated. Who's got the time to always make phone calls like that? So this would be real, uh, uh, real-time real information that could go back to the manufacturing company. Um, as far as what we're doing, so we have, we have working teams that come out of the summit. And one example that I think is really exciting is uh, continuous product quality assurance. And so what I mean by that is we have a team looking at uh, what is all the data that you have in your hands that, you could constantly be assessing. So if you have artificial intel- intelligence looking all of your data at all of your data all of the time, whether it's word documents where they can use natural language processing, or it's data as in numbers, he um, can look across all of those. Um, so here, here's an example that maybe helps cement in people's minds. Um, so if you're have, if you going to manufacture a product, you have a raw material that comes in and it's got specification ranges for, for several critical tests about the different attributes of that material. And it can be from 95 to 105. It could be from 10 to 20. I mean, there's always a range of whatever the test is that it can fall in. And then you bring all those different materials in with all of their variables and um, then you, you put it in the manufacturing process. And it can be held at... Uh, 25 degrees Celsius through 28 degrees Celsius. It can be mixed for 20 minutes to 25 minutes. It can have a room humidity of you know X to Y. So there's all these conditions, but um, artificial intelligence can be scanning constantly to identify that when you're at the high range of that spec range and this low end of this control range and all of these different variables, it can identify uh, conditions that always lead to failure. And then we can eliminate those. Um, the other aspect is when we do audits, we go in and as humans, we can look at less than a fraction uh, of a statistical sampling of, of documents that are available. I mean, we we pick a handful of them and, you know, you start this journey to, to weave a trail, but I mean, you can't come close to looking at all the documents that are generated in a year or two years. Um, so imagine if artificial intelligence can be scanning everything all the time and it can identify a correlation that we didn't even know existed. So it could say, gosh, you know, when uh, the weather... Is uh, you know at a certain uh, condition in the south um, or where we might be growing sugar, um, the sugar that we're using in our product is um, uh, behaves differently although it meets our specifications it behaves and performs differently in our product which is causing failures so that's, that would be very difficult for us to know um, but it can identify those correlations and um, help prevent failures.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate those insights, and and folks, this is in large part why Greenlight Guru EQMS platform exists for the medical device industry. You know, Marla's talking about some specific examples of being able to to effectively monitor product and process performance, and you know, from a QMS perspective, that's also equally important. And this is why our, our platform exists, quite frankly, is to be a single source of truth. Uh, for your quality system documentation and records and, and events. Uh, and as you log and document these different events, you know, whether it be during the design and development process or from a risk or you know from a post market perspective as you're getting customer feedback, complaints, capas, non-conformances. The Greenlight system is tracking all of that data and information and, and has analytics dashboard built into the platform to help you, you know, be more proactive rather than react to situations so you can see what's happening, uh, the trends before they actually become big problems. And, and I think that's, you know, in, in large part, what, what the, the, one of the goals of, of you know, at least in my way of thinking about AI and how it can apply to the medical device industry is to improve our processes and to improve our products. Uh, and just a reminder, I'm talking to uh, Marla Phillips. Marla is the director of Xavier Health and Xavier Health um, has a lot of, of collaborative programs between industry and FDA. Uh, the upcoming event is the AI Summit and that's taking place August 23rd and 24th uh, at Xavier Health and we'll make sure we include details to that event uh, in the the copy that uh, accompanies this podcast. So. Marla, can you give us a better understanding of, of some of the work that the industry and FDA uh, teams are doing through Xavier University?
0: Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, the continuous product quality assurance is um, what one of the working teams is addressing. So they're looking at, uh, where is all of the data? Because in order to, for artificial intelligence to do its work, it needs access to the data. And when you talk to a data scientist, for example, they'll often refer to a data lake. So. You have to get the data into a common area where the mathematical algorithm can work on it, um, so where is all of the data that would matter so uh, from the summit last summer, two thousand and seventeen through now, we've had a, a team working on identifying where all the data is, and that includes GMP data and non GMP data. Um, you could have financial data, you could have weather data um, that you know and, and all other kinds of data that that also impact. the the product and our our assurance of product quality. Um, So what that team is going to do now uh, going forward coming out of this summit. So on on August 23rd and 24th, um, whoever's in attendance can self-select into a breakout with this team and can choose to stay involved with the team throughout the year where they work virtually. Um, But while at Xavier, that that team will have uh, like an hour and a half of time to really form and, and start to identify the phase two work, uh, what that team is looking at is um, accessing open FDA data on openFDA.gov, and and using building artificial intelligence algorithms to scan that data to identify correlations from what FDA has on that website. Um, the neat thing about that process is the team will come out with uh, a white paper that will walk. People through how do you like? What are the different kinds of algorithms you can build? So there's different kinds, um, and then what do you have to do to clean up the data? And especially on Open FDA, there's a lot of data cleaning up that would need to be done. And what I mean by that is um, garbage in, garbage out. So if you have a law firm reporting recalls on, on behalf of a company, it just says we had a problem, we had a problem, and they had like 67 uh, recalls that they had to do for an issue, um, that data's not too useful <laughs> if it doesn't give more information yeah, than that. Yeah, for sure. So we can actually use artificial intelligence to weed out the garbage and really focus in on, on what's meaningful and then look across recalls and device events and medical device reports um, and even start looking across the, the different branches of information on that site to see if we can identify correlations from the pharma and food data as well as the medical device data. Um, so they'll be able to walk uh, people through how do, you, how do you go through that process? And then once the algorithm does its work, what's the meaning of the outcome? How do you how do you decipher what that means? Um, but they're actually going to do it together live on on real data oh, cool. instead of just just theoretical exercise. Um, we also have a team, and this is, this is a, a really interesting challenge um, in our world, especially in pharma. I, I know on the device side, we talk about uh, verification and validation. But in pharma, we talk all the time about validation. So you want to validate that something is what it's supposed to be. It will always be that way. It'll always be done that way. So then you can count on the outcome being identical to what it was before. Um, When you're working with artificial intelligence, you have a system that is continuously learning. So if you were to validate that system, the very next split second, it's learned something new. And so it's no longer what it was. So the word validation doesn't even apply. We have FDA and industry working together on a, on a team that we call Continuously Learning Systems, and how do you evaluate a system like that? And that's where the explainability piece comes in. Can we explain how it came to its outcome? Can we, can we demonstrate the credibility of the inputs so that it demonstrates the credibility of the outputs? Um, so they're, they're working on how, how do you evaluate a system like that? How do you train the algorithm? Um, so these are some challenges that we have to overcome because they're huge paradigm shifts for us to, to grasp.
1: Wow. That's, um, I mean, you just hit on a couple of uh, nuggets there, some challenges for sure. Like one of the things I picked up on is, you know, knowing where the data is. It's certainly a challenge. Uh, Another challenge that I heard in there, you talked about going into like the MOD database and kind of gleaning some of these adverse events, which is interesting because I recently heard a statistic, and, you know, I don't know how you would corroborate this as true or not, but something to the effect of only. There's only like 3 to 4% of adverse events are actually reported to the FDA. So, you know, those are a couple of big challenges. What other challenges uh, do you see as you try to uh, implement uh, effective AI in the industry?
0: Well, um, so there's, there's a couple of different challenges. Some are what we've just been talking about, like how do you do... Uh, some of the things that we need to have in place uh, in order to use artificial intelligence and to be able to rely on that information. I think uh, one of the challenges might be if we go down the path of uh, figuring out how to uh, demonstrate the credibility of AI output is if we're not using validation, we might have to look at what some of the wording and the regulations say. If they're using words like validation or policies that might be in place, um, you know, especially because it's not just FDA, it's global regulators and, and global regulations uh, would we have to look at possibly changing those regulations to support this 21st century technology? Um, and that's that's one reason why FDA and industry are working together. We want to uh, learn this together and discover together. And so we're both on on the same level ground. Um, uh, some other challenges that that exist, uh, you know, as you mentioned, finding finding the data. Where is the data? Uh, just the, there's there's some companies that are still using paper-based systems so one step would be for them to get their their data to be electronic so they can even get into the big data world where you can you can scan your, your data look for trends and things like that but um, you can't even do artificial intelligence if you don't have your, your data in an electronic format um, so, so yeah, I think there's there's a number of challenges, but uh, working together and collaboratively uh, will help us get to um, solutions. Hopefully, that that we can uh, use to to implement. Um, one other challenge, especially on the device side, and this is where Bakul Patel um, was uh, named head of the digital health unit under Jeff Shuren, because there are so many software applications where it is in and of itself a medical device. So, software as a medical device, standalone, not as part of a medical device. Um, there, when you 're looking at software, uh, as we all know with with smartphones and things like that today, where there 's so many uh, uh, plugs that come out because it 's fixing a bug here or there or there 's different iterations and updates, um, those happen on a pretty frequent basis, especially when you look at um, on the medic- or on the pharmaceutical side i mean we don 't make changes to our products very often at all. Um, you know, it might be after years. Um, medical devices, I think there's more changes. But um, uh, on the software side, it could be multiple changes in a year. So you can't have a six-month approval process for the FDA to look at that change before you're allowed to use it, because then it becomes obsolete. <laughs> so for sure. uh, the cool is worked very hard with industry, including the high-tech industries outside of our our uh, medical device and pharma industries, to look at how can FDA. Um, give approval on more of a real-time basis. And, and so he's looking at um, how, how can he certify a company that, okay, you're, you're kind of like a trusted partner as in the TSA pre-check line. Um, you can go ahead because you've demonstrated the credibility and you can go ahead and make those changes. So those are some of the things they're, they're trying to look at and work through. Otherwise, all of this is a moot point if, if we can't uh, keep the AI current.
1: For sure. I mean, and and one thing I want to lean into a little bit. You talked about paper-based systems. I mean, folks, um, I think we're at a point in time in in this world where if you're reliant on paper uh, and to manage your your documents and records, um, it really is time to make a change because that paper doesn't scale. Marla, I talk to people uh, every week who are I call them spreadsheet jockeys. I mean, they're 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 paper-based and they're putting all this data. Uh, usually manual data entry into spreadsheets and they're using these spreadsheets to run their business. And that's just crazy in today's world, in in my opinion, that there are systems out there, Greenlight Guru being one of them, that are designed to digitize your data and information so that you can use it for knowledge, so that you can improve your products and processes. So folks, if you're on paper, uh, whether it's Greenlight or some other application, uh, I highly encourage you, to get into the digital age because this is going to ultimately improve your products and processes. I can't harp on that enough. Um, So, Yeah,
0: I have to agree, John. I'm just going to interrupt you first. Yeah, sure. I I have to agree. I mean, the complexity of the amount of data that's out there and what you're expected to to manage and maintain and oversee as a company. Uh, Think of all the social media that's out there that, that wasn't there 10, 15 years ago where you're expected to understand what people are saying about your product and how in the world can you keep track of all that relative to the batches you've manufactured or the products you've made if, if you're not digital. I mean, I, I can't even imagine that you're able to do it in a responsible way. And so there's a, there's a tremendous amount of risk there.
1: I mean, it goes back to what you were (laughs) mentioning earlier, Uh, you know, from an audit perspective, what what we have historically done is, is we pick a few records here and there and uh, we, you know, we pull the paper files and, and you assess our uh, process performance based on the inspection of a few records. And, you know, that's not, never is that indicative truly of a process performance. So, you know, it's, we're in, in the, we're at the point time where, you know, Not only do we have to shift from paper to digital, but we also have to improve our our own internal methods to assess and evaluate our product and process performance so that, you know, we're always being proactive. You know, it's another point that you you hit on a moment ago. So, Marla, can you give an example of how you think uh, AI is going to transform how the medical device industry operates today?
0: yeah absolutely and and to that point i mean i should i should mention that so we had the the um ibm coordinated event on capitol hill in july and we're having the xavier artificial intelligence summit in august the AdvoMed medtech conference uh, on september 26th is hosting a similar panel to like the fda industry high tech coming together um because there there is tremendous potential and so all of these venues are are working to bring people together and heighten the awareness um, so how can it transform the medical device industry? I think is even more so than pharma because you can have this AI as part of the product, whereas the pharmaceutical you can't unless it's a combination product. Um so I think the the ability of medical devices to become smart devices and and biometrically read what's happening with the patient and adjust itself um, and identify correlations that might be patient specific. I mean, we're hearing more and more about personalized medicine on the on the pharma side. This would make the device you know more personalized. We talked about um, giving that real-time feedback to companies so you have this ongoing post-market surveillance that's occurring and feeding back so then you can adjust real-time what you're doing with your product, whether it's updating that current product that's on the market or developing new products that might have similar attributes where you can improve them before they even get started. Um, So I think moving from that... um, As we mentioned, uh, you know, as as industries, pharma and device, we've we've recognized we have to move beyond reactive to proactive. But now this next step going from proactive to predictive and then predictive to prescriptive to where we can prescribe the conditions, the specifications needed to avoid any failures and any patient harm.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I guess kind of in closing, uh, it's probably good. I I mean, uh, AI is one of those things that I imagine a lot of people in the industry, there's probably some fear uh, of why and when and and what I should do about it? Quite frankly, so how do you address that? What comments do you have for those who might have a fear of AI? Well, first
0: of all, I guess I can understand it. As I as I read uh, some of these media publications, it's it's kind of like they're I don't know if they're intentionally trying to foster that fear because it brings attention to their publication or what. But uh, I I think if the, if the individual can see through what's going on, that's going to be helpful. Uh, so, for example, um, you might see a lot of hype about how artificial intelligence failed and it, it misdiagnosed someone and it put someone in danger. Um, what it what it doesn't mention um, is that, let's say, artificial intelligence might might be in that particular case 97% correct. And so, there's 3% of the time where yes, it's going to be wrong. Um, but now, if you compare that to what we w- as humans would be able to accomplish without AI, we might be 82% correct. Okay, so There's a lot of hype and fear because AI is ruling the world, is misdiagnosing and all this stuff. Um, But if if you recognize how much farther we can go with AI than where we are as humans, we will be so much better off. Um, The other piece, though, is AI has to be used responsibly. So all the work that we're doing at Xavier Health is focused on um, using artificial intelligence to augment human decisions, not to make the decisions for us. Um, So uh, if you can imagine, we've been talking this whole time about all the data that we've been collecting over the past 20, 30 years that we as humans just can't even scratch the surface of. So you're you're getting ready to release your product to the market and you're looking at maybe less than a fraction of the data that's available to you if you weren't human (laughs) and you could actually look at all that data all the time. Um, and so we're, we're making, uh, uh, as informed of a decision as we can, uh, with our current systems. But now imagine if we use artificial intelligence, where it's identifying correlations across all of the data and all the information we've ever had on this product and across our product lines, that as you're getting ready to release the product, you have all that at your fingertips. So we will be able to make more robust decisions than we've ever made before. Um, and will we get it wrong sometimes? Yes. Will that um, that frequency of, of incorrect decisions go way down? Absolutely. So the fear is there. I see why it's, it's there because of the, the media hype. Uh, but just recognizing that with AI, we can do so much better than we could without it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. And Marla, thank you so much for sharing uh, more about the work that you and, and FDA are doing. Uh, On AI. And and folks, whether you have a fear of AI or it's something that you're 100% on board with, either way, I would highly encourage you to attend the AI Summit that's happening at Xavier Health on August 23rd and 24th. And Marla, again, thank you so much. Uh, Marla Phillips has been my guest. She's the director of Xavier Health. If you have any questions or comments about the programs at Xavier Health, including the AI Summit, I encourage you to reach out to her.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, John.
1: And folks, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Uh, as I mentioned uh, a bit earlier, if, if you want to improve your quality management system, you want to ditch that old paper-based approach and actually implement a modern approach to managing your quality system, specifically and exclusively designed for the medical device industry, I would highly encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more information. And if you want a demo, uh, click the button and request that, and we'd be happy to have conversations with you about that. And this has been the host of the Global Medical Device Podcast, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear.